KCSB FM Santa Barbara 91.9. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Alexandra Goldberg with KCSB News. This is the show that shares what's happening in and around Isla Vista in the UC Santa Barbara community. On tonight's show, we're talking about what it's like to rent beachfront property during a pandemic and how you can get rent assistance this year. Then I speak with a UCSB professor about how students are conducting COVID-19 research in Isla Vista. But first, there's another massive wave of COVID-19 running through Isla Vista. As of Tuesday, January 19th, there is at least 79 known active cases in IV. According to the Daily Nexus, UCSB's student health announced 73 new COVID cases just over the weekend. UCSB's Vice Chancellor of Student Affairs and Student Health Executive Director said in an email that students are experiencing more serious symptoms than they were just a few weeks ago. This rise in positive cases is alarming, so do your part in protecting yourself and others from the virus and slowing the spread. Looking into the future, UCSB Student Health is beginning to roll out vaccinations for priority groups, and on their website, they note that you will receive an email when you are eligible for a vaccination appointment. This is an exciting and crucial step for our community. The pandemic has impacted so many jobs in Santa Barbara, making it hard for workers and some students to pay rent. Government rental assistance programs are set to end this month, and those who haven't been paying their full rent will need to start paying those funds back. The pandemic rent relief was not rent forgiveness. And now I asked Sabina Menshausen with the Ivy Tenants Union about the challenges of renting in Isla Vista and how you can protect yourself through renters' rights. Sabina shares some ideas for how you can support yourself during the pandemic. So my name is Sabina Menshausen. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I serve as the vice chair for the Isla Vista Tenants Union as well as the student unit director for the UCSB Legal Resource Center. All right, let's get started. Thank you so much for joining me on Inside Isla Vista, where today we are actually talking specifically about Del Playa. Can you start off by recapping what challenges renters are coming to the Isla Vista Tenants Union with? So often most people renting in Isla Vista, this is their first time renting, and the Isla Vista Tenants Union wants to support first-time renters in helping them know and recognize their rights and when they are potentially being violated. So a big time of year where we see this is at the end of the leasing season, usually around June and July, where people come in with questions regarding security deposit deductions and potential disputes. Got it. You mentioned renters' rights. Could you just list a couple of those and give us a general idea of what those are? Sure. So in relation to security deposit, for example, a, a landlord is required prior uh, two weeks prior to the official move out date to send notice to a tenant offering them a pre move out inspection where the landlord and the tenant walk through the premise together and the landlord points out any potential damages or things that tenants could be charged for that were created during the course of their lease to kind of give them a chance to address these issues on their own prior to move out. And that could save them uh, any deductions from their security deposit if they're able to fix these things themselves. 
Um, another example of a renter's right is a landlord must return a security deposit with or without um, deductions within 21 days after move out. So that's another thing um, that we try to make tenants aware about. Got it. Thank you. Um, Assembly Bill 3088 is providing relief to students who are struggling to pay rent due to COVID-19. As this is not to be confused with rent forgiveness, it's protecting renters from eviction during the pandemic. Can you explain a little bit more about this law and if it will be extended well into 2021? So the law is a little complicated as things continue to change as um, new events during this pandemic arise. But as of right now, you are correct. It is not a rent forgiveness bill. However, it uh, prevents evictions. So um, tenants have to pay, I believe it's 25% of their rent at least in order for them to uh, be protected from eviction. Um, this is different from earlier bills where um, it was an eviction moratorium so that tenants didn't have to pay at all. But this doesn't mean that tenants never have to pay that rent. It's more of a postponement of payment of rent. So I think that's important to emphasize because people are getting confused about that. Okay. And what renters are eligible for assistance under this law? So that's anyone who's experiencing financial hardship due to COVID. There is a declaration that they have you sign where you're stating under penalty of perjury that you are experiencing financial hardship. And that doesn't have to be that you just lost your job due to COVID. It could be childcare expenses or anything else that could be related to the pandemic. But the declaration is pretty vague. You don't have to state explicitly what that hardship is that you're experiencing. Um, but uh, you are signing under penalty of perjury. So it's important that you're being honest about the state of your situation. Right, right. And then last April, the IVTU created an emergency fund for UCSB students to provide up to $300 in relief per individual for unexpected costs related to temporary housing, storage and moving. Can you tell us more about this fund and is it still active? So the fund is no longer active. However, we are currently in the works of opening a new emergency fund with different criteria. We're hoping to get that open by week three. So more information to come out about that later. But this fund was to help with students who experienced an unexpected cost due to moving related to COVID. So if people needed to move home because they didn't feel safe or anything like that, we could help them with any transportation fees, say plane tickets, train tickets, gas for their car, and then any moving or storage fees. So you had to rent a U-Haul truck or pay for storage to put your things in, um, those kinds of things. Oh, great. And then is there any other grants for students struggling to pay rent? On our website, we have a list of other um, financial uh, help resources. Uh, we have a COVID-19 tenant guide. And on there, there are some more options either through the university or through outside sources. Great. Thank you so much. Just a couple more questions. How is the IVTU keeping tenants accountable for their actions during the pandemic? So uh, we are emphasizing that students follow all social distancing protocols and keeping them and their housemates safe. Um, our new emergency fund is going to specifically address students in self-isolation and help them out. Um, we're also promoting other resources. For example, if you are unable to safely self-isolate at your current residence, um, we're promoting that you get in contact with UCSB Student Health. They can help you find a safe space to quarantine away from other individuals if you live in a high occupancy household. 
Great. Thank you so much. And as we wrap up our conversation, is there anything else you would like to add? I would just like to add that IVTU is currently open for online consultation appointments to anyone from UCSB or the Isla Vista community. And um, you can find out more on our website. We have a link to book an appointment. Right now we're open on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then we have some after hours uh, on Mondays and Wednesdays from 5 to 8 p.m. We just spoke with Sabina Menshausen with the IVTU about renting during a pandemic. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Alexandra Goldberg with KCSB News. My next guest is Jeffrey Hawley, Associate Professor of Anthropology here at UCSB. And today we're talking about how UCSB students are working with Isla Vista institutions to understand COVID on a cultural level. COVID-19 can be a grim topic, but Holly and his students are focusing on the social and behavioral aspects of the pandemic. Professor, your work with students here at UCSB focuses on projects for Isla Vista specifically. This quarter, you and your students are tackling COVID-19 and IV. Can you please define the goals of your projects? This uh, project is called the Social Dimensions of COVID-19 and IV. And the aim of the project is to use social science research uh, methods, perspectives, anthropology and other social scientific method, uh, disciplines. We're trying to understand as COVID is a, it is a disease, it is, a, it is something that is communicable, it is, it is often understood as, a, as, as, as something that is non-human, something that is studied by virologists, people that work in the medical field, these sorts of things. Um, but it's fundamentally the, the transmission, the spread, all of that is, a very, is very human in how that, uh, how that takes place. So we're trying to understand the behaviors, the beliefs, the social organization, even where people live, the conditions in which they're living. We want to understand the social dimensions of, of COVID-19. And so uh, we're doing our research on these different elements. So the students are, in my class right now doing different projects uh, on these different components of COVID-19. Uh, the possible sort of factors associated with the spread, but also the impacts, the adaptations, the way people have changed their lives in response to the pandemic and to COVID-19 specifically. So that's basically what we're doing. Well, there's a broader focus of the research and that is related to my longer term interest in understanding IV as a community uh, that is often studied and represented in a specific way, uh, a place of students, a place of partying, trying to get past these sort of dominant narratives and representations to understand the complexity of the community. So that includes the life of students. It, it could include the, the partying element but it's, it's trying to understand like more on a deeper level of what is, what is life like there? And besides students, who else lives there? What is their life like? This could include the houseless population, the, the retirees at Friendship Manor, the families living in IV, the Spanish speaking um, families who live in IV as well, who are um, not, these groups tend to be excluded when we talk about the 
the, the, the community and we want to understand them as well. So it's, it's really understanding ideas that are a heterogeneous, changing, comp complex community. And so the COVID project is, is related to this larger sort of interest that I have. And going back to the project, can you talk a little bit more about the plans in place to collect the data? Well, the plans, this is something that, you know, it's, it's such a novel context and anthropology is a, a field where we tend to, if we're going to try to get that deeper understanding, we, we try to interact with, observe uh, the people we're working with. And that's quite difficult uh, during this period of time. Um, there's a specific limitation or a restriction on actually doing in-person research. So this has been a chance to think about what uh, different ways that we can study this topic, how we can get around some of the constraints of, 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 of strictly uh, of, of the things we used to always do, you know, going out and being with people, talking with them, seeing the things they do. So um, it's, it's really a work in progress. Honestly, I don't have a great sort of answer to how we deal with this yet. We're working through that in the class, depending on like the, where the, I mean, half the students in my class don't even live in IV and they'll certainly be doing everything remotely, but there's nonetheless contributions that they can make. For those who live in the community, we're trying to see if we can actually do some in-person research, but if we can't, the, the project will take place largely in this remote sort of way. So we're going to be relying even more on working with host institutions in the community who, who again, with this broader goal of understanding the overlooked elements of IV, there, there are a lot of very dedicated people working in the community from the uh, IV youth program to the, the co-op to IV rec and par re recreation and parks department. People there know a lot more than, than I do or than the, the, the students. Uh, they have a different sort of understanding. So we're trying to work with them as experts and as people who can help put us in touch with other people who might help us to better understand IV and uh, the context of COVID and the diverse communities that live there, the issues they're facing. So it's, it's really, uh, I draw a lot on the students, you know, who getting their insights, getting their, you know, what do they think is feasible? What do they think would work? So we're kind of just working together. I provide some, you know, insights on like the strengths or weaknesses of certain methodological approaches. And um, they're providing different observations based on things they perhaps have seen um, while walking to the store or uh, different social media posts, these sorts of things that they may have encountered just looking online. So it's really a collaborative process with the students and also attempting to build relationships with institutions in the community to uh, develop uh, a, a stronger research um, design, but also to do research that is relevant and useful to the people of the community with that broader goal of, of understanding IV, but also perhaps countering those dominant narratives and representations of it as a, that are rather simplistic. And you even see, you know, like there was one period of time when COVID rates were sort of going up in the county and people were sort of squarely in the, in the press. You could see accounts saying sort of IV holds the key to us getting back as a county, um, even though the rates at the time weren't really, um, you know, justifying that sort of singling out of IV. And then a secondary part of that is that it was sort of blamed on the party culture of IV, which that sort of assertion wasn't linked 
with the actual cases or the, the paths of transmission. If they were, that wasn't made apparent in the article. But we need to actually understand like what's going on and take a step back from our assumptions and understand this context and the people who live there. Yeah, and you mentioned these host institutions. What are some of the institutions that you are partnering with? And how do you believe that they will redefine this IV culture now and in the future as well? So the this is again sort of a work in progress and we're, we're sort of reaching out to different um, partners. Um, and so IV youth programs is one that I know of just because my daughter used to go to um, after school care with them, um, but they do a lot of great work in the community, not necessarily with students. Uh, oftentimes students will volunteer there, but um, their goal is more to the low-income Latinx Spanish-speaking families in the community, especially now they've sort of adapted and changed what they do with COVID and shifting from those actual in-person after-school care programs. But they do a lot of great work um, in the community but it's not recognized, again, this is sort of a segment that's not often recognized as being a part of IV. So by working with them, we hope to draw attention to the great things that they're doing, the communities that they're serving, but also to understand um, through their expertise, through perhaps making contact with different families to better understand those, uh, those communities um, that are overlooked in the area. And with the topic of COVID, especially, I think if we're going to, we can't really, they're obviously not, you know, this, those who are being spoken about and when we talk about partying and IV, like what are, what are the risk factors that this specific population might face that are different? We need to kind of understand, the, again, the heterogeneity, the diversity of communities and groups within this area that is IV. Yeah, definitely. And how do you anticipate your findings in your research will affect Isla Vista going forward? Well, my hope is that with, with the specific topic of COVID, my hope is that we can help to better understand the actual ways in which this is transmitted, the behaviors that are associated with that and, and contribute in some way to help helping to address those or mitigate those, those, those behaviors and beliefs that are uh, contributing to the spread of COVID. In a more general sense, we want to help the general public to understand IV as a place where there are a number of different people living, a community where, well, it's, 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 it's interesting in sort of an anthropological sense, it's sort of neatly defined. It's a big rectangle, um, but it's, you know, people are moving in and out there. There are not just students, there are different, all sorts of different populations. What is that life like if we were to study as an, as an anthropological topic, as we would study sort of a, rem a remote population in another part of the world? How can we begin to deconstruct the, what we think we know and begin to create new knowledge about what this community actually is. And with, with all the different actors and players who live there, different organizations, the different issues they're facing. So it's only by trying to study it from the ground level up and understanding the people who live there that we can hopefully contribute in some positive way to policies or other, other sorts of actions that can make the benefit all of the people in the community and help to, again, counter those sort of dominant discourses and narratives and ways of representing the area as, 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 as a place of students and partying. 
Right. Thank you for that. And to my understanding, you lead your students through research in the past as well. So what are some research topics you took on in the past? And did you or your students make any significant discoveries there in Ivy culture? Yeah, in the in the past, I've the, in my big intro class, the students would do ethnographies and they would bring to light a lot of, of really interesting cultural beliefs, practices, things that were shared, things that were passed on. But things that were, you know, not not fully understood, and that, that that gets sort of at the complexity of culture as something that's maybe when you arrive in IV, there's no sort of guidebook for how to behave, how to look cool or out of place, or these sorts of things, how to behave when the police arrive, or these sorts of things. But that's that that information is rather coherently passed on to different uh, generations, and people are moving through every two to four years, right? But it, it, it maintains to some extent a stable cultural sort of a, a set of guidelines. And so the students have really helped to, to understand that um, many aspects of, that, of that, that culture that is IV culture. And they've also uh, done a great job of specific research projects more related to my own uh, expertise in the environment. We, I've worked with students too. We have a project called the IV Ethnobotany Project where we we map different edible and useful things that exist on UCSB campus and uh, in IV. And the broader goal of that is just to contribute to sustainability and sort of self-reliance in some way, allowing people to get control to some extent of their food by engaging with nature and generating that sort of ecological knowledge that allows people to, to begin to become invested and in, in, to care for and, and uh, take responsibility for their environment. And to see the environment is something that, you know, we fortunately we live in a place that is beautiful and we can recognize the natural sort of elements, but it's it's designed to kind of get helping to see this nature as something that is all around us, even on the manicured sort of landscapes of campus, uh, the guavas over by South Hall, um, the sour grass that pops up in between the, the cracks on the sidewalk around this time of year after the first rain. By paying attention to these things, students generate a sort of deeper um, understanding of their environment and a care for it. And so their research then becomes the basis for these public facing projects like the, the website, the Idea Ethnobotany website. And one that I did last year with my students was called Cultivating Communities, where they did more, a more in-depth dive on different topics. So we had projects, for example, one by Donovan Velasquez looking at um, Chumash uh, place names. The, the, if we take away all the names we've ever given to the buildings and the slough and the, this particular geographical feature, um, what, 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 how did the Chumash um, understand these different elements? What, what is the history of habitation in this region? How did the contemporary Chumash continue to use and think about these resources and places? It provides an important way of sort of moving beyond this sort of uh, preamble to many on-campus speeches of, of this, is, we recognize that we are on unceded Chumash lands by drawing attention and providing that, that resource that anyone can go to and understand more. It's hopefully a process of recognizing Chumash contributions, um, Chumash past habitation, Chumash contemporary life ways and culture and belief and practices. Um, so the, the student research has this sort of social environmental justice element to it. And um, all that research is on a site called Cultivating Communities that has everything from Donovan's project on Chumash place names to a video about uh, foraging 
and skateboarders sort of encountering things as they go across Ivy that also, you know, provides the outsider with a, with like a, uh, a moving sort of journey through Ivy and a different way of seeing that world where, you know, there's not the stereotypical representations, but rather people encountering nature, especially those people on skateboards who are often oriented to like asphalt and concrete, they're sort of getting off the path. So the students, I, I could never have done any of that stuff on my own, obviously. So the students provide valuable research that only really they can produce, I think. Only they can study many of these topics in, in their full complexity. And I'm really just here to kind of provide the guidance where that's necessary. And how can UCSB students get involved with your classwork and your research? So with uh, the IVA Ethnobotany Project is an ongoing project. And if students are interested, they can go to the site and get in touch with us and um, become involved. For those interested in the COVID uh, research, they can also sort of get in touch with me and see, I mean, it's just, you know, we have to think about the limitations on in-person research and that sort of thing. But in general, if there are students who are interested in, um, in, you know, if you're invested, if you love IV and you want to hope to understand it on a deeper level and to sort of counter those dominant representations that are rather simplistic and reductionist and don't help really get us anywhere, um, how, how can we how can we, if, if you're willing to contribute to that, then happy to have you on board. Just get in touch with me, email me, that sort of thing. Thank you so much. And is there anything else you would like to add to our conversation? I, one thing I would mention is that I've been doing, you know, I've slowly sort of eased my, I've, so, I've fully developed this interest in IV as, as, as a way to have things for students to do that are local rather than just talking about where I work in the Amazon, which, you know, it's very easy to, you know, students are never going to go there, um, at least in, when they're in a class with me. So I want to have a way to link students with this world and opportunities to provide them to, 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 to hone their skills, but also to, you know, provide their unique voice and perspective to understand their community. And I think it's really unique. And I'm, I feel fortunate that we, UCSB and Ivy are so closely linked. This COVID project is really where I'm trying to really enter in earnest into studying IV as, as one of my primary research projects. And so I'm only now sort of beginning to establish these relationships with a, a host uh, partners, different organizations, governmental, non-governmental, even UCSB um, sort of outreach programs and that sort of thing. And so uh, that's going to be the key to it is really establishing these relationships that where the students can provide their research, but also enrich and serve and, 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 and contribute to the great things that, that institutions in Ivy are doing. And those institutions will stick around. Um, so we want to make sure that we're not just having sort of an extractive relationship where we ask questions and then disappear, but let our questions are actually informed by the concerns and needs. We have the opportunity, we have students who are talented and smart and can do great research that maybe those institutions don't have the time to do. But if we work together, we can do it in a way that fulfills the academic um, sort of requirements we're trying to the, the training we're trying to do, but also can contribute to the, to the needs and goals of those organizations. That was Professor Jeffrey Hawley with the Anthropology Department at UCSB. He adds in a later email that one of his primary goals is to produce knowledge that is accessible to the public. You can check out his work by visiting the IV Ethnobotany Project website in the Cultivating Communities website. 
You've been listening to Inside Isla Vista. Thanks for tuning in days at 5 p.m. to find out what's happening in and around Isla Vista. I'm Alexandra Goldberg. Our theme music is Siesta by Jawser. This in 91.9 FM, KCSB.